Right. Okay, we're on. Sound check. All right. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an episode where we, uh, Dan and I, will go head to head or even tag team sometime because maybe there's some parts that we agree on <laughs> or not. But thank you for joining us. Uh, this is a recording, so uh, hopefully things will work out for all of us. And uh, so, yes, this is a summary of Romans chapters 9 to 12. And so uh, let's begin with just a uh, overview of where we want to go and what we'll talk about. Okay, Dan? Yeah, sounds, sounds good. good to me. All right. So, well, first of all, uh, we'll just uh, tackle the question of the definition election, how to define election, just to kick us off. And uh, so we'll go start off with a def definition of, of what is election. Then after that, um, of course, I would, we'll probably add a few things here and there. We'll go into scripture. And uh, what I've done is uh, also included Romans chapter 8 because it was kind of like a, how I felt was that it kind of gave a, a primer to chapters 9, 10, and 11 anyway. And so we'll uh, take a look at a few passage, a passage from Romans chapter 8. Then we'll take a passage uh, from Romans 9, a couple passages there, a passage from 10 and 11. We're not going to touch Romans 12 because 12 was a... It started off with a different theme after that. It's, uh, it was 12, 13 and onward. It had a theme about uh, Christian living. And so we'll focus on chapters 8, 9, 10 and 11 today. How does that sound, Dad? Yeah, it sounds great to me. All right. So let us kick off, let us kick off with the definition of election. So I just uh, dragged out a definition and borrowed it from our good friends at the Gospel Coalition. And I just noticed that I spelled gospel wrong. But, <laughs> and uh, notice how much respect we have with this organization. No, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, so basically what they say, what they have said, I found it useful because it's a good summary. Uh, you could write a whole essay or even a book on it. But the, uh, this is a good summary. The doctrine of election states that God chose whom he would save that God's choice precedes any consideration of our faith. So once again, the doctrine of election states that God chose whom he would save, that God's choice precedes any consideration of our faith. All right. So let's get back to here. Dan, that's a definition that, that we're going to probably tackle. Do you want to add anything to it? Uh, not so much of a critique, but anything adding to just elaborate more about election. Yeah, I don't. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything more to add. Like that's uh, part of it has to do with. Yeah. So some. Yeah. No, I won't even say more. Uh, I will say this one other thing. Um, um, I'm not so sure that when the Bible talks about election, it's talking about election to salvation or if it's election to vocation, which I'll get into uh, when we get to later. So vocation is what, what God is calling us to do, who he's calling us to be, um, as opposed to whether he's actually saving us. So that's that's going to be my take as we go later, but uh, we'll get into that when we get into it. Ooh okay. 
Uh, I want to offer something just to elaborate on it because uh, it's something that I've been brought up with is uh, this passage found in John 10 about election. And so uh, I'll go into it in John 10 right now for everyone here who is watching. So it goes like this. It's found in John 10. Um, it, it's actually the entire chapter of 10, but I picked out just three verses that uh, just come to come forward that are just highlights of with regards to election. So Jesus says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. In verse 16, I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. My sheep listens to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And so the reason why I offer that is because that's where uh, I was brought up and how I was taught about election. It's that uh, it's the idea of sheep and goats, right? That uh, regardless whether you're Jew or Gentile, whether you're Greek or whoever, it doesn't matter whether you're uh, what ethnicity you are, that God has this in mind that there are his sheep and that this, these sheep will recognize his voice if he calls them. Like, and mind you that, and then that hence, there is that idea of, uh, of in these passages that God has this in mind that there is this chosen sheep for his own flock to be called his children, sort of thing. So that's where uh, I think uh, kind of elaborates a little bit on this whole election thing about election to salvation. Of, uh, from the Gospel Coalition's quote. Okie doke? Yeah. All right, let's move on. <laughs> my my antivirus just turned on. I don't know why. So let's yeah, the same cross. thing happened for me too. It made a yeah. ding at the beginning while you Yeah, talking. I know, right? You too? Let's cross <laughs> our fingers. <laughs> Are you running a Mac? <laughs> no, it's a different. Oh, it's man. It's or something. Like I know. That. It's just little, okay, let's hope <laughs> that things don't collapse on us. All right, so... Let's go and just dive right in, shall we? Sure. Uh, so Romans, starting off with Romans 8, 28, the very popular, popular passage that everyone memorizes in Sunday school yeah. or, or kids can or Awana. And uh, so let's just get right into it uh, here. Let me read it to, right now from 28 all the way to 33, actually. So Romans 28, chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. All right. Um, let's go back to us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what do you, so um, what do you think, Dan? Because, uh, you know, this passage is very popular, very, very famous. And, uh, but many times, of course, so we tend to just focus on the first part and not the latter. And uh, the latter is what really gets people about the whole chose thing and call thing, right? Yeah. So how about you kick it off and uh, start us off with what your thoughts are in this passage? Yeah, so that's even like, what translation are you using there? That's a... Oh, this is the New Living. 
New Living, yeah. So yeah. I don't have, uh, I can't, unfortunately, I can't see your screen. So I'm, oh, uh, yeah. I got my own Bible here in front. That's okay. So even that like translation um, is an interpretation of what Paul is saying there. Every interpretation, every translation is an interpretation of the Greek. So it, it's always a little dicey trying to figure out. So I'm not sure the wording that they use is what I understand Paul is saying there. Um, yeah. Um, let me see. How do I begin? And then did you go further than that? Yes. Just I just said um, in verse 33, who dares accuse us from uh, of uh, like, who dares accuse us right. whom God has chosen for his own? No one for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, this passage is, um, it's, yeah, a lot of these passages in Romans, and I'll admit throughout the whole Bible, whenever it talks about predestined and election, I really struggle with them. I, I don't totally understand um, what Paul is getting at. And um, I've, I've tried to come to a framework for myself that helps me make sense of what these passages are, are all about. Because I, I will say that we all have presuppositions when we come to the text, and I'll have to just be completely honest with you about my presuppositions coming in. Um, the idea that God would choose somebody to be saved and choose other people to not be saved before we're even born, I don't think is just and I don't think is loving. I don't think that that is um, how God operates. So when I see passages like this, it's uh, is that really what Paul is saying there? Or is that how we've interpreted Paul's words to to mean? Um, so I'll just I'll throw it back to you and just ask a bit about your where are you coming from as far as um, do you think that God like what does that look like for God to elect or predestine someone to be chosen by Him or not? Yeah, I come from a well. Here's how I read things. Um, sorry. We should actually have uh, whiskey more than just yeah, water. <laughs> All right, so uh, it goes in steps, I think, for me. Um, in what Paul, I think, is uh, uh, getting at is that dispute, right, between Jews and Gentile Christians. Yeah. And he wants to create unity between the two. Yeah. So then, uh, so if that's his focus, then hey, then uh, I kind of would like maybe paraphrase it, say, like thinking that Paul says, "Hey, look, all you guys." Are privileged to be God's chosen people doesn't matter who you are which thing right and right. so therefore you should be grateful and you know and show immense gratitude to love one another and yeah. to fulfill your God-given purpose right you're all chosen by God and hence and you were enabled by God to do this so your common denominator is you were chosen by God called by God enabled by God by his spirit right mm -hmm. that that's what we yeah. got from Romans 1 to up to till now, actually, is to right. create that unity, right? So that's his context, and uh, so that's where I read it from. And so if I read it that way, uh, then move on to Calvin, <laughs> okay? I think uh, Calvin did the same thing, sort of, by using that in that context, too, because uh, not so much in creating unity, but creating that, but giving that hope uh, for people who were suffering in, during that time as well. Right. I'm not too sure. Uh, I'm not familiar with the with his time period, but I, I've heard and I've read that the reason why he thought that way was because of some situations that were happening during his time as well. 
right does it to create that common denominator where hey like don't worry like uh, you, you you could cling to that hope that god has chosen you and that god will enable you and fill you with your spirit and you know and then continue to trudge on and regardless of what suffering you face you're still his child type of thing you know what i mean right that it's that angle it's not so much of the angle now these days today <laughs> where right. ha ha you're not chosen i am <laughs> and i'm higher up than you are blah 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 in yeah. fact i don't even think that the world even sees it that way anymore right like right. Uh, being a christian you're actually at a disadvantage rather than advantage but right. anyway so you know um for me it uh i doesn't really concern me of whether about that about whether oh who's chosen who's not or who's going to go to heaven and who's not right and that's what paul went through in chapter 9 i believe or 10 where he goes don't say to you you know don't say to yourself who will go up to the heaven and who will go down right i think uh, for me i would take the root of what paul uh, tried to address is that hey if i am a christian and i was enabled by god to receive it and it answered his call and answered his call to obedience and it was all by his doing because of it it's by his grace that he you know enabled me then i should be immensely grateful and not take it for granted right mm -hmm. that type of thing that's where i'm coming from right in right, terms right. of chosen like i don't know like just like you like who knows right how yeah. to interpret this but if we were to lean on that whole election thing that god chose certain people well, we don't know who's chosen, <laughs> right? Right? It's like the it's like what Jesus said about the sheep, right? There are more sheep than just in the sheepfold, right? And then so who knows, right? It's what. Yeah. Um, but if we are Christian, and to those folks who are watching this, uh, how should we respond then, in light of knowing that, right? Right. right. So. Yeah, I think I come at yeah. So I'm now I'm coming at it from a different angle because, like I was saying at the top of this when I consider election, I consider it more election to vocation than to salvation. And the um, uh, reason I say that is because, if you, well, we're going to get into other passages later um, that talk about people who are chosen by God for specific tasks to be, uh, so calling Abraham, calling uh, David, calling um, Israel to a task to be a light to the nations. Um, and in that sense, they're elected and chosen. But I wouldn't say that um, uh, that is the same as salvation. And we can get into that uh, when we get into those other passages where it talks about those specific people. Yeah. Um, it, yeah for, for me, yeah, I'll go ahead. Oh, no, it's like, a, you know, I, like, however, like you did bring up a good point of the question, if God is so loving, how, right. that, how come he would only choose a few and not everyone, right? Or like open to everyone. But that's why I'm saying vocation is different than salvation. So yeah, yeah. it's loving to choose certain people to be the leaders and to um, be to fulfill a role so that others can become a part of this community. Um, so he's calling a few for the purpose of saving others as well. Um, mm -hmm. and I think, yeah, so, yeah. And, and then also for me, um, when I'm reading passages like this and also ones in Ephesians, um, I also, th I think that these passages are actually talking more about, um, general election and general predestination rather than specific. So in the cases of 
Abraham, David, like I said before, those were specific elections. But, um, but general election is generally God's plan was from the beginning to choose Gentiles to be a part of his community as well. Not specific Gentiles. That's, I don't think that he's talking about specific Gentiles. I think mm. he's talking about Gentiles as a whole. I have chosen to be a part of this community as well. I have not just chosen, like, yeah, Israel. So that's, yeah, what do you have? What's your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, like, I, like, the part of me, I really wanted to, uh, you know, agree with you on that, that, you know, people, like, there is this chose, like, that God really intended for all of humanity <laughs> to be right. his like, uh, people. But then again, like there's a case about God's enablement, God's uh, like enabling, enabling us to receive him. Because if you think yeah. about it, like Christianity is not something that is easily believed. Right. It's actually, logically speaking, it's totally irrational. <laughs> right it's yeah, like yeah. it's counterintuitive yeah. counterintuitive there's foolishness, no foolishness there's no yeah. there's no evidence right the only right. evidence is this right and then um and you're going word of mouth from a bunch of women and fishermen right it's yeah. just it's not um something that's rationally right so there has to be an element of god's doing and uh and there has to be an element yeah. of him you know making that point of okay i am going to go to that individual but not to this the case in point feral right like the, the, not not to this but to this not to this but to this right yeah yeah um and so for me i think um i'm but personally i don't know about anyone else i'm personally i'm okay with that mystery <laughs> right, right. Uh, i'm okay with that mystery it's just the af aftermath that i shouldn't take it for granted nor should i boast about it of saying that hey i'm christian you're not look at me i'm better than you type of thing my, mm -hmm. But it's not that case. And I think um, the way I read uh, 9, 10, 11, especially 11, <laughs> right? Tell you, like Paul telling the Gentiles, hey, don't take it for granted, right? Right, that, right, yeah. right. Don't you dare, because if you do, you'll be in the same boat as the Jews who did reject him because yeah. they took it for granted too. So, yeah, and that's you know. the same thing that Jesus was saying over and over again. You know, people are going to come to me and say, Lord, Lord, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I did this in your name. I did this. Why? And he's like, I don't know you. You, And 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 that's where we differ again is I would say that like, you would say that Jesus saying, I don't know you is him saying, I didn't choose you. Uh, is that is that right? Well, if you think like if you run that back to the source, yeah, if you say that um, if, they, if they didn't choose you, then they didn't he didn't enable you. Right. You like, uh, because uh, you didn't hear his voice anyway. So, right. <laughs> you know, you like you couldn't even decipher whether it was God's voice or somebody else's voice. Right. Right. You right. had to be his sheep in order to answer is that. And then when you answered that, when you obeyed, then he would enable you to serve him. And then in order to serve him, then yes, then he would know you. Right. Right. Like, right. Right. It's just that f formula of, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So if, but for me, I don't think that, uh, in that, in those stories of when people, um, disobey God at, at, like to the point of, they think they're on the same page as him and they aren't, I think that has to do more with, um, their more, their selfish desires are not, um, in line with God, even though they're saying they're in line with God, they're actually not in line with God. Because like you're saying, they've taken it for granted that, oh, I'm a Christian, but actually you're not because you haven't been doing it. 
and you haven't been making an effort to live in the way of Jesus. Um, yeah, yeah. And then again, it's like that whole effort thing, right? Where, yeah, well, it's not on your effort, right? It's a, it's God's <laughs> enablement, right? So, yeah. So again, it's a, it's. However, it's like a, two different views that we're offering to people, and they yeah, continue on. And I'm going to have a lovely conversation with you guys because I'm the only one that's going to talk with you guys on Sunday. I don't get to respond to any <laughs> of this. You don't get to respond. Darn, darn it. So Jonathan can correct everything I'm saying. And yeah. He can even edit this whole... Part. <laughs> I can edit purposely it. edit everything. Change the way I'm saying everything. Yeah. In fact, it's best not to edit that part of the blank space because that was pretty good in a way. Who cares? But I would like to say... Um, um, so you were saying... So I think a really good question is is the enabling part. What does that mean that God gives us grace? And I'll give my two cents on it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I believe that God gives everybody the chance, the, 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 the chance to turn to him or not. I, I believe that he leads everybody by grace to a point where they could choose him or not. Mm. Um, and uh, unfortunately, there are many people in the world who don't want to follow in the way of Jesus. They don't want to live a sacrificial, selfless life. They want to keep doing their own thing. They want to um, be destructive to themselves and those around them. They don't want to follow um, God's plans. They want to do their own thing. And for me, that's God leads people to the point where they have a just choice to say whether or not they're going to choose or not. And at that point, they do choose. And uh, for me, I don't think that God's grace tips the balance so that people choose God when they wouldn't have chosen God or, um, yeah, cause that's, that's where I, yeah, that's my question to you is, is I struggle a bit with election cause it seems like a forced salvation, a forced relationship. Um, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Interesting you say that because, um, you know, that's, uh, I must say that, um, you know, if I would just say that, that, look at it, yeah, face value, it looks like it's forced, right? But then <laughs> I have to admit that Paul is interesting here. He kind of knew that he, we were going to think that way. Yeah. And then and he goes, uh, because in the, um, basically he goes in chapter 11 and go like, oh, but we don't know, <laughs> right? We, like, uh, who knows what the Lord's thoughts are, right? And who knows enough to give him advice? Who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? You know, like, I'm like, okay, yeah. there you go. You've written the whole thing off, <laughs> you know, just by saying that. Like, way to go, Paul, right? But um, <laughs> interesting, though, um, you know, before we had this conversation, I was actually having a WhatsApp message with a Messianic Jewish pastor, mm -hmm. uh, if you call him that, uh, locally here. And he was preaching on this passage too. And uh, he, he, he relates with you in a way that uh, he probably would agree with you about the, uh, the grace of God being patient, of allowing this person. But then he also made a good, uh, interesting point that about how God also will, um, if he has chosen you and you reject him, let's say he, you said, nope, then, then uh, he would actually by his grace <laughs> enable you to continue to further that choice of yours. Which is interesting, which is like the continuing hardening, allow you to harden, harden, harden. And he would even give you an oomph, <laughs> a kick, like oh, that sort of speak. So that's what he, the, uh, how he interprets this. It's just like the Pharaoh and the Jews of their hardening hearts is that 
hey, they would actually, God would actually, by his grace, actually do that too. So he goes, we don't know why he does things when he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, it does sound forced, he would say, but how can we judge God on what's forced and what's yeah, not? Yeah, totally. Because he's God. Hey, do, you right? want to go, do you want to skip forward to that passage? Yes. Yeah, because that's a great one to... Yeah, that's in chapter 20 chapter, and 24. Uh, verse 20 and 24, right? The lump of clay. Chapter 9. Do you want to go to 9, 14 to 18 or 9, 20 to 24? 20 to 24. Okay, let's go there. All right, it's on the screen right now. Let me read it to everyone. Again, it's on the New Living Translation. I apologize. No, that's fine. I should have used it. Every, every translation, like I said, is an interpretation. <laughs> so we're going to yeah. get different thoughts. Okay, here we go. Uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 20 to 24. No, don't say that. Okay, I should have said something else. Uh, verse 19, let's start with verse 19. Well then, you might say, why does God blame people for not responding? Haven't they simply done what he makes them to do? There you go. No, don't say that. Why, um, who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, why have you made me like this? When a potter makes jars out of clay, doesn't he have a right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another to throw garbage into? In the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and his power, he is very patient with those on whom his anger falls, who are destined for destruction. He does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those to whom he shows mercy, who were prepared in advance for glory. And we are among those whom he selected, both from the Jews and from the Gentiles. Right. Let's go back to side by side. <laughs> yeah, and that's um, uh, totally, this is also you know, the conclusion to the book of Job. You know, who are you to question God? That's how God comes down and thunders down uh, with Job and Job's friends all asking the question, what's going on here? And God mm -hmm. comes down with an angry fist and says, who are you to question God? Exactly. So like the question about, you know, uh, force, right? Why are you forcing me into this, right? right. It's like, how dare you, you peon, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I think, so I would take a bit of a different stance with this um, in that this is a bit of a conversation about free will in that nobody actually has free will. Even and I though, agree with you that, yeah. Even though um, um, I believe that we do have a free choice, there's no such thing as free will because there are so many external factors in everything. Um, yeah. uh, at any point, um, God could say, there's going to be a thunderstorm today. Boom, there's a thunderstorm. I have no choice in that matter. And he can also, um, you know, like in the case of Job, cause all kinds of things to happen that are terrible and despicable. Um, and um, uh, yeah, I have no choice in those matters. There is free will in the sense of how am I going to respond to things? Um, but as far as um, truly being free, no one is truly free because we're all bound either by our government or by our society around us or by even our human constraints and our physical bodies and our disabilities and other things like that. Um, so in this passage, when, when he's questioning God or when, when you say, how can you question God? I think that's really saying, yeah, along the lines of there are some things that we just don't understand and we can't understand. There are things beyond our grasp, beyond our 
understand our limitations that we can't question why God does the things that he does. Um, so, and that's grace right there in a nutshell. Yeah. Right. Um, like, uh, I, like one of our congregation members once said, like, how come I could believe and be ready to believe and I understand it completely and receive Jesus while my other, my family completely is stubborn and reject them. Right. Regardless how much of like, uh, you know, we explain and I go, that's by God's grace then. Isn't it? No, I don't think so. I think it's their choice. I think God, like I said before, I think God has led them to a place where they can choose. And he's given them enough grace to get to a point where they can choose. And then they haven't chosen to go that way. Yeah. And God has allowed them to make the choice that they want to make um, fairly. Um, well, like, I think for me, like, uh, that's why I encourage myself and my family members and friends to continue to pray that God will show grace to our loved ones and that they will come to know and answer that, the, the call to him, right? Like, and then, you know, hopefully praying in faith and hope that they are the ones that are chosen by God. Yeah, <laughs> and, right. but that's, but you're, you're not praying for change. What are you praying for? Because the, the decision's already been made. Well, it's like healing too, right? It's a similar thing as healing. God, like whether he heals or not heals, you know, whether he decides to heal you and not heal you, right? right? Yeah, I mean, that's a whole that, thing, that's a thing. What is prayer? <laughs> oh, and that's a whole new conversation in a nutshell, right? Yeah, because like what you're saying about Calvin, I can't remember at what point in history it was, but a time when predestination really was a, a, a key doctrine. I remember, I think it was Don Lewis in one of his classes was telling us, um, that at that time there was a lot of focus on magic and on manipulating the gods kind of thing and manipulating god so what how we pray will manipulate god to do certain things mm -hmm. and so predestination came up as this really strong doctrine because we can't change god's mind we can't change god god is set and no matter what kind of tricks or hoops or anything we jump through god is is, is going to do his purposes and he's not going to um, be tricked or conned or manipulated. Well, and hence we end our, our prayers with thy will be done, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, and, <laughs> you know, his will, right? And yeah. so it's like, um, I guess uh, for me is um, there's still the element of prayer where it's prayer, like for me anyway, now we're getting off topic of prayer. That's but fine. It, like it for all me, goes together. <laughs> yeah, prayer is more about for ourselves. Yeah, really, it's about our really like having conversation with God our, for ourselves, from God's children to Him, right? Yeah. And uh, we always just go, God, like uh, they're in my you know heart. I want to pray for them. I want. I, I sure hope that uh, you know that by Your grace that You will show Your grace to them. Da 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 da. Right. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's more of a changing my heart to just continue to trust in him, in his, uh, yeah. in his will, right? So it's not so much of changing his mind, it's more about me just trusting in him. <laughs> yeah, it's about reorienting right. ourselves yeah. to be in line with God's will. Yeah. So I bring up all the things that are going on in my heart so that God can change me and change my thoughts about things and directions and he can hear my heart. And then also there's a sense throughout the Bible that we see of, when we pray, uh, God's waiting for us to pray so that he will act. And 
can say I did it with you kind of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So like this, when, you know, I, you preached on um, um, the golden calf and how God was saying to Moses, I'm going to kill everybody. And Moses respond, Moses prayed on their behalf and said, no, you promised to save us, save us. And obviously before that, God wasn't going to back down on his promises. Obviously, he wasn't going to kill all of them because he made a covenant to them that he was going to be faithful to them. Even if they were unfaithful, he was going to be faithful to them. But he was waiting, I think, for Moses to make that gesture to say, no, please, so that God could say, okay, I agree with you actually you're agreeing with me <laughs> yeah and, yeah and now yeah. we're both on the same page good yeah it's almost like letting that like god letting them just for me anyway god just goes okay if you reject me i'm gonna let you just suffer your own consequences like yeah. of your yeah. own actions because they are in the foreign nation and they're ready to consume them anyway to begin with yeah. right and then so okay fine if you want to go your way i'm not i'm gonna lift up the protection barrier wall and let them flow in right yeah. Which he did yeah. many times, <laughs> right? After yeah, that. For sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, should we move on to the next passage in chapter 10? If, okay, if it's okay, I want to go back to this passage just quickly. Okay. Um, yeah, this, this, this whole idea of does, you know, Paul's using this metaphor of God as the potter making objects for destruction and making objects for decoration. And I'm not sure if the metaphor is actually what God is doing especially when we see passages in Ephesians that talk about, I think it's in Ephesians 2, it says that we are all by nature children of wrath. Yeah. Like we're all destined for destruction, but God can change our, change who we are. Yeah. So that's... Uh, um, I think in the... Yeah, what's believe... your translation say for Ephesians uh, 2... Three. Ephesians 2, 3. Well, actually, I was going back to just Romans where um, oh, okay. like, Paul did say that like that as well, alluded to that, that he has bound all humanity into disobedience. But um, right. yeah, like, uh, and that's in a similar vein as Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. Verse 3? Yeah, Ephesians 2, verse 3. Yeah, so all of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Um, I was going to use the word, uh, now I can't find it. Just Sorry. Missed, yeah. <laughs> just missed it. Uh, ah, for uh, in Romans chapter 11, verse 32, for God has imprisoned everyone in disobedience so he could have mercy on everyone. So it's kind of <laughs> yeah. similar in a way, like, um, but... Yeah, like with regards to the potter and the clay, interesting that it's not, uh, the NLT didn't use the word destruction, they just used garbage. <laughs> like to, to, uh, to uh, hold garbage, but, uh, which is very euphemistic of them. Um, <laughs> but, um, um, so yeah, destruction just sounds so awful. But uh, however, it's interesting again, like uh, back to that passage of uh, the potter and the clay. The clay was chosen uh, by God, just like the Jews and the Gentiles and for everyone. But then, like you said, it's interesting that um, there's still that element of response that I could say no or yay or no, nay, yay or nay to yeah. God's choosing. And, but then if we say nay, 
that's like a sheep saying no to the shepherd and then go heading off to the forest where their wolves are, right? And then, well, see you later then. Good luck for right. you, right? The type of thing. So. Yeah, and that's another, yeah, just quickly going off of that John passage as well. I, I, I'm not sure if that's the point of that passage either. I think that passage is more about, um, more about the wolves sneaking in and about how, um, we, yeah, so the, the warning there is we need to listen to the voice of Jesus and not the wolves who are trying to lead us astray. And you should recognize. So, so I think your, your way of understanding it is that um, the true sheep will hear his voice, whereas I would say that um, uh, it's, yeah, no, yeah. Well, for me, it's like the true, like sheep, the sheep, <laughs> right, will yeah. recognize the shepherd's voice, but they recognize they have a choice to whether obey or not, right? Right. I'm just saying the goats and other animals will not even recognize this voice. Will okay. even not even hear it. Like, it's totally like it's all Greek to them. And so that like yeah. the obedience and obedience thing, it's not even a question. Because they just right. speaking a different language, right? That's right, where right, that, right. Where I'm coming from. Because uh, I'm just running along the lines of, you know, how I understand Romans is that, you know, both Jews and Gentiles they came to know Jesus because they're sheep. They understood and they believed. They heard, they understood, and believed, right? The ones who received Jesus and, you know, put their faith in him, right? Hence, they are, then, then, I, then I get it why Paul says, see, these are the, you are the chosen because you understood, you believed, you were mm -hmm. called, right? And you understood that. And then you were given the privilege to choose whether you believe in him or not. Hence, that's why in, uh, um, Paul says, did Israel ever not understand? Of course they understood, <laughs> right? They just rejected him, right? That type of thing. Right, right, right. right. So, uh, yeah. All right, let's go on to the next one. Okay, time. let's move on. Okay, hopefully <laughs> I am really building up to that suspense for this Sunday. I'm in trouble. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, you want to go into 10 or you just want to jump to 11? Yeah, just pick which, uh, yeah, whichever one you want. Okay, let's just follow, let's follow the order then. Let's go okay. to 10, since we already done the clay pot thing. I mean, the clay thing. Sure. Uh, chapter 10, verse 9 to 13. Yep. All right. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scripture tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, the reason why I chose this one, um, sorry to jump from that screen no, to that. But the reason why I chose this one is for your uh, side of it. Because this is, I think, where um, people say, see, this is where it's actually we choose God first and then he you know, mm -hmm. enables us, right? Because yeah. it's just the base, basic premise of we call on him, we are saved, right? Right. So what do you think? This is a... Yeah, more... so yeah, this is, yeah, exactly. I'm glad you threw this passage in there because there's other passages like this in Romans mm -hmm. um, that uh, for me, 
So this is going back to what you're saying about effort and how um, we're not saved by our effort. And so once again, I'll reiterate that I believe that we are only saved by grace in that uh, we can't turn to God unless we have grace in our lives, unless we have our eyes opened, our heart opened. Now, where we differ is, I think you would say that God doesn't open everyone's eyes. God doesn't awaken everybody to his truth. Whereas I say he does, he awakens everybody and then they have a choice from there. Um, and this passage shows that there needs to be a response from us that says, yes, I will go along with what you are saying. And it's not, a, that, that choice is not, in my mind, a work. Like a work is um, uh, like a badge of honor, something that I'm proud of because I've done it. It's like wages, basically. Like, yeah, like wages. Yeah. Like I haven't, I ha yeah, exactly. I haven't worked for something. I haven't done enough to earn this salvation. I don't earn this salvation. I don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. But I believe that God freely gives it to everybody who wants it. And so once again, I think also this passage is going along with what you're saying. The whole theme of Romans is, which I totally agree, is that salvation is not just for the Jews. It's also for the Gentiles. We need to get that in our heads that it's for everybody who calls on the name of the Lord, which is what Joel prophesied, um, which is what this is quoting and is coming true in Jesus and with Pentecost and with Peter and uh, everything that happens in the book of Acts. So that's my take on this. Yeah. And I agree with you. Like, um, this is where I would throw that, where Paul would throw a curveball on me. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, yeah. because then, like, you know, you go, okay, Paul, you just said, like, laid out all this about, you know, God's choosing. And now you're, you laid out this with regards to, okay, now there's some, like, I wouldn't say work, but agency. That there's agency, some agency, yeah. Yeah. like, yeah. there's human agency on this yeah. part now, right? Where we call. I think uh, this was brought up uh, by um, one of our congregates in our uh, discussion, right? Uh, where, you know, he thought, he thought, his group thought that calling is actually work. Where, you know, mm. you know like, hey, if I call in the name of the Lord and make that effort to choose him, isn't that work as well? But, uh, right. You're, but you're right, is that no, because uh, work, what we're saying is that it's the earning of salvation, the wages, the grade card, the report card, and like getting all the ace right and everything, yes, dots yes. and to achieve it but here it's more like get on the train <laughs> right like we just were like uh, do you want to get on the train right and then just and uh, have god enter into you right right so opening the door is not work it's just in invitation right um yeah so uh i like uh, this is where uh i must admit this is where uh, i'm going i would be struggling here mm -hmm. right um there's a like you said there are a few passages actually here and in ephesians because yeah. uh, Ephesians, like uh, the reason, like if only it was just Ephesians and not Romans. <laughs> like if it was just, if we only had Ephesians <laughs> only and First and Second Thessalonians, we're done. But but Ephesians, I, think, I disagree. I think in Ephesians, there's lots of passages about choice as well. That's true. That's true. But <laughs> I'm just thinking, you know, uh, I and like a rule of thumb for everyone is that whenever you read one of Paul's letters, you have to read them all. Yeah. In order to get the whole grasp of everything. But for Ephesians, I think uh, Paul also does stated that, um, just to throw another angle on this, is that it's interesting how he focused everything on in Christ. Right. You know, for the first three chapters, three whole yeah. chapters of in Christ, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And so you would think that, um, and he emphasized that Jesus is the chosen one. Yeah, yeah. Was the ultimate chosen one. And uh, so election or not election, guess who is the true elect? It's Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Right? And therefore, uh, the, he goes on to say the amazing thing on that is that when you believe in Jesus, you become chosen. You receive the chosen status. It's not even the whole idea of God's choosing right. you anymore. It's right. inheriting the chosen status of Jesus and becoming part of him as opposed to you doing anything else. Right. Yeah. So that's a whole nother angle beyond the election conversation. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so yeah. many things to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I feel like my my understanding really is that um, that we're all saved by grace, but we're all possibly condemned by our works mm. so i can choose to uh live a life of works and therefore i'm off the train mm -hmm. um whereas i i i don't really even take a position that we get onto a train i think we're by god's grace we're all already on the train and we make the choice to get off or to stay on it and that's not work no because the train is doing all the work. We're make, actually making work to get off the train. And that's what I believe. Um, that's, that's how I understand salvation and condemnation and all that. Right. That's a good analogy. Actually, I think that that's what we alluded to when we were, when we were uh, doing our Genesis series. Is yeah. that, that uh, you're in God's hands. It takes a lot of work to leap out of his hands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and when we do, well... Yeah. All, all to you, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I guess, like, uh, do you want to conclude with uh, chapter 11? Sure, let's just quick. Okay, yeah, let's see what it's chapter 11, verse 4 to 8. And do you remember God's reply? He said, no, I have 7,000 others who I have never bowed, oh, who have never bowed down to Baal. It is the same today, for a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because of God's grace. His undeserved kindness in choosing them. And since it is through God's kindness, then it is not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be that. What it really is, free and undeserved. So this is the situation. Most of the people of Israel have not found the favor of God. They are looking for it so earnestly. A few have the ones God has chosen, but the hearts of the rest were hardened. As the scriptures say, God has put them into a deep sleep. To this day, he has shut their eyes so they do not see and closed their ears so they do not hear. Mm -hmm. What a way to end it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, question, I, can I ask a question? Go ahead. So, um, another question is, how do you understand God hardening people's hearts? Uh, what does that mean to, um, like here, that cause their eyes to not see and put them in a stupor? Well, when I, um, when I was preaching on this passage, uh, recently, just before your Romans 12, of course. <laughs> it's, uh, for me, this one is, uh, uh, in chapter 11, it's a lot about God's purpose of fulfilling Israel's, uh, his promise to Israel that Israel will be a light to the nations. And uh, so uh, for me, it's to, uh, to agree with your point about vocation then, where um, Israel, not so much a vocation where they, you know, they had a job to do, but 
God made them a promise, made, a, made Abraham a promise that Israel will be a light to the nations. And God will never, ever back down on that promise. Right. But if uh, Israel uh, rejected him, yeah. it doesn't really matter. He still has to fulfill that promise in Israel. Right? He can't use somebody else. He can't use Chinese. <laughs> he can't use, you know, you can't use Japanese. He can't use anybody else except Israel to be the light of the nations because that's his promise. And so in order to do that, then what my um, Messianic friend would say, God hardened their hearts, continue to further harden their hearts so that the, that the nations will actually see. And so, so that does, they right, right, but what does ahead. harden, what does harden their hearts mean to you? Rejecting God. No, like what does God, so it says God hardened their hearts. So what did God do? Oh, what did God do? Yeah. Just to allow them to expedite their rejection to God. Uh, basically, like um, uh, what uh, I came to understand is that it's just continue, that God will, con as, his, as an agent, would continue to kind of assist them in rejecting him. To okay. <laughs> continue to move them towards rejection. Right, and okay. not listen so harden like in this passage uh, even it's like um uh, it says uh, shut their eyes close their ears right? right so they would be numb basically of not even listening right They're so too... i think yeah let's if, can i say an analogy maybe this because uh, i've got a newborn baby so okay. oftentimes she uh at nighttime especially will start to get really cranky because she wants to go to sleep but she can't she just can't quite do it so I have to pick her up and rock her and kind of harden her heart <laughs> until she's out. <laughs> oh, I have a better Is analogy. That... Okay, go for it. My in-law. <laughs> okay, so, and I think a lot of uh, people who have uh, helicopter parents would understand. Okay. When my mom were, you know, was around and, and my grandparents were around or my aunts, when they, you know, continue to nag on me, or even my in-law to continue to nag on me, nag on me, nag on me. I start to harden my heart because I don't listen to them anymore. That, regard, that regardless whether they're good stuff or bad stuff, even her encouragements, I don't hear it anymore because I systematically now block that voice. Right. That's my hardening. Yeah. It's like I systematically, even regardless of what they say now, whether it would be false or true, whether they loving or not loving, whether it be encouragement or you know not encouraging, whether it be just some news of happiness and everything, I will not hear it. Right. Okay. <laughs> because I've come to a custom to that whatever that whenever I hear that voice, I write it off. Right. 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 It's becoming subconscious, you know, of filtering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my definition of hardening. Yeah, because I think there's kind of two there's. Two perspectives that I've heard on hardening heart. The one is, like you're saying, that God, um, well, actually there's three. One is that God forces per people to be evil kind of thing. So he like actually hardens their heart even though their heart was good. Oh, um, yeah. This one, yeah, to that reasoning, this one is more about allowing them to continue and him right. assisting. <laughs> and so one, one, would be, one would be God hardening a good heart to be evil. One would be um, physically assisting somebody mm -hmm. who was in the wrong direction to just keep going in that wrong direction. Mm -hmm. uh, but then another way is um, that I've heard it is uh, God backing away. Mm. So God taking his grace away so that that person um, continues in the direction they're going without any bumpers 
for without any protection with it's like you're fully on your own now i'm and that's so in a sense god's not actually hardening a heart he's allowing the heart to be hardened by backing away yeah so that's yeah and that's more I, my take on things it's more like god's turning off the hot water in the bathtub and allowing it to get cold even though he's not the one making it cold he just isn't putting he's just not there water. anymore yeah yeah he's not there to provide or protect you uh it's almost like uh would you say it's like a passive approach like um yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah it's yeah. yeah exactly yeah 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 okay this has gone on a long time this has gone on this has gone on for 53 minutes <laughs> all right so let's conclude then shall we yeah. um sure. i think both of us agree that it is by god's grace that uh, we are saved yeah. And also both agree that we should never take our, that God's grace for granted. I think yeah. that's the lesson for us to learn. Uh, I think that's what Paul's whole trajectory is to both Jews and Gentiles. Because uh, I think uh, many times uh, when I read this, it's almost like if I was a Gentile and, reading, and listening to Paul telling the Jews from chapter 9 to 11, or even from 1 to 11, I would be really boastful. Mm -hmm. Going, ha, 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 you guys are screwed. You know, that, that type of thing, right? You know, and yet Paul suddenly switches course and tells the Gentiles, don't you dare think that you guys are off the hook either. You guys, like, don't you dare to take, your, take God's grace for granted either. Yeah. Because or else you'll be in the same boat as well. Yeah. And I think both of us agree on that. Is yeah. that I think the overall trajectory to conclude this talk that we have is that regardless of election or God's choosing or not, ultimately it's under the whole umbrella, under the whole... Uh, landscape of God's grace. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's like, uh, regardless of whether it's the choice or not, it's God's grace that we are here. Yeah. And, uh, and it's uh, God's grace that we have Jesus in order to be here. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, and I, would, and I would add, I think that we both, I, I think I'm just reiterating what you've already said that, uh, um, um, by God's grace, um, we can't, we shouldn't rest on our laurels. And rest mm. on, on our status as I'm saved, so I don't have to do anything now, or you know, whatever I do doesn't matter. Um, the message throughout all of Romans is whether you're elected or not, in my opinion, um, uh, what we do does matter, and uh, um, and that's why you have chapter 12, 13, exactly, yeah. 14, yeah. And, and onward, right? Is yeah. now what do you do? Right, yeah. he goes, like the very big therefore, right? Yeah. The big humongous therefore in chapter twelve is, okay, now what, right? Yeah. Like, uh, how then shall you live, or should you live, in yeah. light of God's grace of one to eleven? Right? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. That's good. All right. Uh, thank you, everyone, for yeah. joining us. It's been a fun time. It's always been fun. As you know, Dan and I are still friends. We're always still friends. <laughs> so, but uh, hope you enjoyed this uh, discussion that we had. If you have any questions, bring them up this Sunday as uh, we will continue our discussion uh, in our breakout rooms during Sunday worship service. So see you on Sunday, folks. Have a blessed week.